When you said that plans go astray Then why did you think it would turn out that way? You don't know who you are when you're 17 What's in your future is in the unseen You grow as you go Welcome to episode four of the Grow As You Go podcast. I'm your host, Alan Hildred. Here we talk to a number of extraordinary people, young and not as young. Take a listen. It is the Grow As You Go podcast, and I know I say this every week, I've got a very special guest. Uh, But this week, um, we're somewhat related. Um, He's my father-in-law. Uh, the one and only Stephen Smith. How are you, Steve? <laughs> good. How yourself? <laughs> yeah, good, good. Um, now, I, I'm quite excited for this um, because I know, well, being your son-in-law, I know a fair bit about uh, your journey. I've heard lots of stories over the past 12 or so years. But you don't um, know all of it. I don't know all of it. That's <laughs> <laughs> So I'm excited. Um, so it's going to be really good. But can you um, – You've done a, a number of things over your time. Like you're mm-hmm. pretty much retired now. Um, you say you're retired, but you I, pre- I pretend. You, pre- <laughs> you pretend you're tired. I pretend you're tired. You are tired, but retired. <laughs> um, I'll get there eventually. Uh, but yes, you're retired. Um, so, but you're still doing plenty of stuff. But can you give us a bit of an overview of what your journeys looked like? Uh, <laughs> that's it, it's been varied. Um, one of April's cousins asked my father one day, Granddad, what's Uncle Stephen doing now? Because <laughs> <laughs> that seemed to be, you know, every 10 years I'll change careers. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I left, I left school, uh, joined the bank, uh, worked in the bank for a dozen years, left the bank, went into real estate. Uh, then we had the recession that we had to have, thanks to Paul Keating. Um, so I changed careers again, went to work uh, in the office out at Beef City, um, spent another dozen years there, um, then found I was too old to stay in that game. So I <laughs> – oh, no, you, you, get a, you get to a – your forties and you want to change occupations, you realize that no one wants to hire you because you're in your forties. Yeah. Um, so I decided I'll buy myself a job. <laughs> <laughs> so I bought a, a business uh, that took me on for the next 20 years. Yeah. Wow. Well. Um, right up until I sold that business and retired so that I could then go and build a church and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> took, took on a few pretty large projects. Yeah, but but it's that's an interesting journey because I all through my life always been a Christian, born and raised a Baptist, and you'd keep running into people going, "Oh, how are you, son? What's what's God's?" Plan for you, and I, yeah, um, uh, I don't know. <laughs> and seriously, I did not know. Um, mm. I thought I had a good relationship with my God, but I had no idea what He had planned for me. Yeah, and um, I had resigned myself to think, well, 
maybe he just wants me to raise my daughters as good Christians and he's got something special planned for them. So that's what I've focused on trying to do. Um, but I still didn't know. Mm. And various things happened. I've had different roles in the church as deacon and so forth. But I, when I retired, I had always said when I retired, I was going to have at least six months off. I needed six months to clear my head, figure things out. It actually took nine. But at nine months, I then had a very short conversation with God when I said, well, God, what do you got planned for me now? And he said, find out what's happening to my house. And I thought, you're what? <laughs> <laughs> more, more information, please. Mm. And it, I got nothing. Yeah, you know, just, that was it. And then we had recently changed churches and we we're in a, with a, a new church family and we became members of that church and had gone to our first members meeting. And in that meeting, someone stood up in the middle of a discussion about a totally unrelated subject and said, well, what are we doing with the house? Are we selling it or what? And I'm going, house? What house? <laughs> oh, come on. And... That led to another brief conversation with, with God, which was just, is that the house you're talking about? I still got nothing. Hmm. But I thought, no, no, I've, I've got to chase this down. What's, what house are they talking about? What's going on? And it turns out that the church we were now attending had bought a, an old house in Highfields and their plans were to turn it into a church. But they had got quotes to have that done, and it scared the pants off them, yeah, and nothing happened. So it got to a stage where people were sort of saying, maybe we should just sell it and put the money in the bank and wait and see what God has to as a direction for the church. And I thought, well, I think God's already told me what the answer is. Mm. And so I asked to see the plans and looked at it and thought, well, yeah, I can see where the money is, um, but I also can also see where money could be saved. Mm. Um, so basically I took it on as a, as a project to achieve God's house here in Highfields. Yeah. Um, and here we are. We've been yeah. in that building for 12 months now and everybody seems happy with it, <laughs> particularly God. Yeah, that's um, right. And... And look, it's 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 been a blessing on on my life. But the interesting thing is, and this is, it's a it's a long way around answering your question. But it wasn't until I was nearly finished working on the on the building, and someone asked me a question one day, and I looked back and I thought, you know what, all the jobs that I've had in my working life, mm. and my extracurricular thing which we lo I loved doing was renovating houses, <laughs> but studying f finance and then studying project management and then studying engineering and all of a sudden all these things were leading me to one place. Yeah. I got blown away by that. Yeah. God knew all along what he had planned for me. Mm. I wasn't ready. Yeah. He had to shape me. And when I was ready... He said, have I got a job for you? <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was going to be one of my questions later on of 
um, have you had those light bulb moments of like, oh, so that's why I had to do this and that's why I had to do that. So it's all narrowed it down to one specific that was it. point. That was it. Uh, just one specific point. And mm. do I know what he has planned for me next? No. Actually retire? He'll let me know. <laughs> oh, hey, look. Uh, it's there's been other there have been other moments, but that's 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 the big one. Um, they've, they've, there was a moment where, when I was at the Baptist Church, we had a we were, went through a protracted period where we had no no pastor, mm. and we had relief pastors coming in and just sort of doing the odd sermon here and there. But the deacons took it upon themselves to lead the service and run the service every week and whatever else and. When that started, um, I had a someone came to me and says, "Oh, well, he actually rang me up on Friday night and said, can you do communion on Sunday?'" And I froze. Uh, uh, um, no, 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 not me. <laughs> and I actually felt ill. I, I was so stressed out about that question that I felt ill, and I went to bed. Uh, without dinner, went to bed, lay there on the bed, and I said, why me, God? And that was the first time I ever got an audible answer from God. Mm. And the other time I mentioned before was the only the second time, but the first time was one word, because. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do communion that week, but I did it the following week. Mm. Um yeah. And that led to a period of then leading services and preaching and yep. things there. But it was, again, part of the moulding mm. for the job that he really wanted me to do. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it just it blows me away that 40 years ago he knew that I was going to be doing this. Yeah. So. so I know you're a, a man with a plan. And going, going back and a to, wife. <laughs> so going, going back to seventeen-year-old uh, Steve, mm. um, what was your like life like plan or goal? Like I know you went into banking. Like, um, did you have a sort of direction in mind? Nope. No. <laughs> oh look, at seventeen, I was a new immigrant. Of, yeah. of three years in a new country full of new adventures yeah. and life was an adventure. Mm. I, I had a driver's licence. I'd just finished high school and this was a huge country which I had not seen. Yeah. And fortunately I was in scouts, scouting movement at that time and I was in the rover in a rover group where of a Friday night we would meet every Friday and we would sit around a map of New South Wales and it'd be, oh, Steve, it's your turn. So you close your eyes and you hold your hand or you hold your index finger up in the air and someone else would spin the map and they go, okay, now, and you touch, you point the map. And they want to go, Cobar, where's that? I don't know, we're about to find out. <laughs> We'd all go home, pack our bags, on the road. By about seven o'clock Friday night, we're on the road to wherever it was that we pointed <laughs> on the map. And that was the weekend. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> we we'd be back Sunday night. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. we had we had look we had a ball, but mm. I saw all sorts of places in New South, New South Wales, like a place called Mount Hope that had a population of six. <laughs> they had more dogs than they had people. <laughs> 
but 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 I mean, yeah, you, know, oh. you go into these towns and you're welcomed with open arms. I mean, we've just tripled yeah. the population by arriving in town. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but that was it. That life at 17, life was an adventure. Yeah, um, had no idea what I was going to do. Um, my father asked me that question: <laughs> 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 What are you going to do? And I hadn't. No, I had no idea. Look, I wanted to be an architect. Mm. That was the precursor to many things, but I wanted to be an architect. Yeah. And I had been in grade 12 at school and had done some drawing and had an architect say, yep, you've got the talent, but can I talk you out of it? Oh, wow. And I said, yeah, why? And he said, because there are more people currently studying architecture than there are architecture jobs in this country. And he wasn't talking about available jobs, he was talking about the total number of architects in the country wow. was less than the number of people studying architecture at that time. And he said, you'll you'll come out with a degree? Yeah, and he said, yeah, you've got the talent, you'll do it, but you'll get a job on the council leaning on a shovel. Oh, that's, that's hard. Because you won't get a job in architecture. Yeah, well. So that sort of deflated me. Yeah. And I thought, oh, oh, well, I had no idea what I was going to do. And that's when my father said, uh, well, he says, yeah, banking's been good to me all my life. So you might want to try that. A couple of weeks later, I was working at the bank. <laughs> <laughs> and look, and that took me, took me all around Sydney, all different branches. Then it brought me up to Queensland, a couple of different places up here. Um, I can't actually came up here to get married, but because <laughs> I'd met this girl from Queensland, <laughs> and Queensland seemed better than Sydney. <laughs> And and it is. That's right. That's like Queensland forever. Um, Now, before we finish up, I sort of want to go back to, um, because you came from over from America Mm. um, and America, like the American dream is kind of a bit different to Australia. Coming over to Australia, was that looking really different? Like did that give you a whole different future from what you were sort of, what you were brought up with in, in an American family? Yes and no. Okay. Um, fortunately, whilst born in America, I had an Australian mother yeah. and an English father, <laughs> um, and they had lived in Australia as a married couple before moving to the United States to seek fame and fortune. <laughs> <laughs> I think those were the words that my grandmother used. Um, <laughs> you're never going to make anything yourself in this backward country. <laughs> um, so... And America, Americans have that view of Australia. It was the land down under. It was backward. Kangaroos hopped down the middle of Pitt Street in Sydney and yeah. and so on. I knew that wasn't true because my mother would be constantly telling us, no, no, this is what Australia's really like. Yeah. She grew up on a cane farm and, and so forth. But again, I arrived here. I was a bit of a loner as a kid. I only ever had sort of one best friend and, um, mum and dad were worried moving here. Um, my brother was of university age when we moved here and so they said, oh, he'll be right. You know, he's at university. He's not living at home. That wasn't living at home at that time anyway. So, mm. you know, living in a boarding college in Pittsburgh or leading a, living in a boarding college in Sydney, it didn't matter. <laughs> they were both, you know. Yeah. Um, my sister was a – she'd walk up and introduce herself to the – any stranger she met. Um, so they weren't worried about her, but they were worried about me. Yeah. Um, 
but I arrived here and just this was this place was just so different to what I could have ever imagined. Um, and I was still in love with the Australian bush. I lived on Circular Quay. Right. Two doors from the Opera House. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I befriended a guy who lived on the other side of the harbour. So we'd walk across the Harbour Bridge to visit each other. Yeah. And he had a boat. So we'd go sailing on the harbour on his little uh, Vaucluse Junior sailboat, <laughs> which freaked my mother out because I couldn't swim. <laughs> it's a match made in heaven, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, capsizing in Sydney Harbour when there's a ferry coming down on you. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, it was good. But it was again, it was an adventure mm. to me. Water sports were, you know, it was a canoe on a lake. All of a sudden, I get presented with sailboating on Sydney Harbour. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was, yeah, as I said, it was just so different. Mm. I couldn't help but fall in love with this place. Yeah. Now having a daughter living back over there, well, just got to keep trying to convince them to come here. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So. No, that's excellent. It's it's awesome to hear um, how, how you've just grown as you've gone over the last, as you said, 40 years, mm. um, doing each different thing and just getting steered to one place to another. Yeah. And then sort of finally hitting that destination of, right, now I'm going to put all this lifetime of skills into one big job. Yeah. Um, that's been awesome to hear. It's been awesome to have you here. Um, I'm, I'm actually quite surprised I didn't include dad any, at any point in this. <laughs> <laughs> I just put on my podcast brain. Um, yeah. But no, it's been awesome having you, Steve. And um, it's been awesome to hear Thanks, more about you. And um, yeah, and it was a pleasure. Was, when you asked me to do this, I was thinking he's going to hear things he didn't even know. <laughs> and I have. It's been fantastic. No, I no, thought I knew you. <laughs> Just you wait and see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks so much, Steve. Thanks for coming. It's always a great time catching up with my father-in-law, Stephen Smith. Tune in next week to hear from Pastor Tom Bizzle. How do they feel emotionally? Ah, uh, oh, I think I've had every emotion under the sun. <laughs> I mean, there was one day I remember back uh, working at the audiovisual job. And this is just a, this is just an example to highlight. I think the severity of it. You might have heard of the word hypochondriac. Mm-hmm. Um, hypochondriac is uh, you've got a headache, it's a brain tumor. You've got a sniffly nose, it's a no. You know, you're bleeding out. Um, that's what a hypochondriac does. Yeah. And I had that at a very severe level. I mean, there was a number of years there where uh, Medicare were probably hating on me a fair bit for how many times <laughs> I was bulk billing at the, at the doctor's practice. We'll see you then. When you said that plans go astray, so why did you think it would turn out that way? You don't know who you are when you're 17. What's in your future is in the unseen.